thank you, uh, Pastor, and uh, thank you uh, to everyone here. It's uh, good to be uh, with you all. And um, uh, today's uh, uh, text that uh, I'm going to be uh, speaking from is from the uh, Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. So uh, we can uh, turn there, and uh, that's what I'll read. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, and as no one on earth could bleach them, and there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. Before we go any further, let me pray. God, uh, we uh, thank you uh, for um, this day and uh, for uh, who you are and uh, just for uh, uh, the glory uh, that uh, comes uh, from you. And, uh, and yeah, as uh, we pray for everyone uh, here to really... Uh, uh, to understand uh, a lot of uh, aspects of uh, walking uh, in uh, glory and uh, and being rooted in uh, who you are, and uh, we ask that you'd uh, uh, speak uh, through me, and uh, and everyone uh, here would be uh, willing to uh, learn, and uh, and uh, yeah, we just ask that you'd uh, be with us uh, throughout uh, this uh, time, and uh, may it all uh, apply to us uh, collectively and uh, individually. In Jesus' name, we pray. So for those uh, who, um, so when we uh, look at this uh, text, one of uh, the things that, uh, that we should uh, know uh, is, is that, uh, that the authority of Christ is what is uh, supreme and it is uh, final. There's nothing else that is ever going to match his glory, even when it is just a glimpse of his glory the way that the disciples saw on the mountains. And as, as the followers of uh, Christ, uh, we actually need to be rooted in who Jesus said he is, what he did, and what he is going to do, just like the Father had instructed the three disciples to listen to Jesus. And Cornerstone, as a community, our aim should be to really know how to trust uh, the words of Jesus and to be confident uh, in who he says he is, which is much more than any other prophet or mere mortal claimed about themselves. The world is always going to try to recreate Christ to what suits them, but the church should stand for what the Father said about uh, Christ. And uh, I've titled uh, today's uh, message, The Glory of uh, the Son. 
And um, yeah, for those that have, have heard about uh, what I've uh, been doing, uh, you know the kind of uh, people that uh, um around on the uh, field. And uh, uh, yeah, they, what they view of uh, Christ is, is that he's uh, simply uh, a prophet. I've had so many uh, conversations and like they, they think that like, uh, that God, uh, every time that something uh, goes wrong with uh, God's people, what God always did was simply send a, uh, a prophet to correct uh, the sins and the wrongdoings of uh, the people. And so they're stuck in that pattern of thinking that like a prophet is going to uh, uh, help them uh, and uh, they don't see how uh, Christ uh, was the uh, culmination. And others, uh, when they look, uh, skeptics who will uh, look at the first verse will say, uh, well, uh, Jesus said this and uh, he's not uh, come yet and uh, everyone uh, who he was spoken to uh, tasted uh, death. So then like uh, they'll try to say something like, so that means he might not, he must not be coming back then because uh, what he said didn't come true. But when you uh, look at it, uh, he, you would actually see that uh, what he says uh, did uh, come uh, true when we actually dig deeper into this. This uh, passage. And the thing about uh, the Gospel of uh, Mark is Mark wrote uh, to present Christ as a uh, Messiah figure that fulfilled uh, all the uh, Old Testament prophecies. From the beginning of the book, it highlighted that Christ was proclaiming that the uh, kingdom of God was uh, upon them and that, and that he tried to get across that everything Jesus did had a larger uh, purpose. And um, especially in this passage and uh, surrounding passages, Jesus has to correct his disciples' constant self-absorption and blindness as they could only partially see what Jesus was about. And, uh, and sacrifice and uh, suffering was not something that was on their uh, radar. So, um, yeah, Jillian and I, the last few weeks, we've been in uh, Houston, and tomorrow we'll go back there for a little bit. And uh, a few weeks ago, there was a, uh, a tropical storm, and uh, we had uh, lost uh, power for a good bit. And, um, of course, like, uh, yeah, I mean, we have uh, the flashlight on our, our phones, and, like, yeah, there's other ways to, to create uh, some light, but each of that is always uh, very uh, lim limited in what it can do. There's always going to be things that we can't see as, as uh, compared to when we actually have uh, the fullness of, uh, of light. And even if we have uh, generators, generators doesn't uh, still is, are very limited compared to actually having uh, uh, the full uh, power. And, um, and when we look at uh, God and what uh, he said that uh, there's some light uh, about him that we can simply see from uh, creation and things that he has uh, revealed to us. And there's other things that we just uh, know uh, from our uh, uh, minds. And then when we look at the Bible, there's more that's revealed uh, through the uh, law and prophets uh, with what we find in the Old Testament but when we think about all these things together, uh, they still only come out to a partial amount of power. They're only a dim light of showing uh, uh, Christ and uh, his uh, and the Creator's uh, plan for us. But only in Christ do we have that full revelation and that full uh, knowledge of a lot of things, because. In Christ, 
we see God in the flesh and uh, his will that is uh, embodied uh, for uh, the world. And, uh, and yeah, only in Christ do we see a light that is for the, for the whole uh, world and not something that is uh, temporary. And so when we look at the word, uh, we need to actually see, like, uh, how lined up are we with what Christ says in order to be at the center of uh, God's will. When we uh, study uh, and, and look through the history of the uh, Jewish people like uh, uh, Peter here, uh, Peter's not the only one who uh, thought similar to uh, like this. All the Jewish people did not understand how for the Messiah and suffering, how they were supposed to go hand in hand because um, just prior to this, uh, Peter had affirmed that Jesus was uh, the Christ. But then immediately afterwards, he showed how he only partially understood as he rebuked, he tried to rebuke Jesus when Jesus talked about his upcoming suffering and his, uh, and his death. But even with the assurance from Jesus that when Jesus said that he was going to rise again from the dead, all Peter and the other disciples were able to think about was that death would mean defeat and they would not be able to have the political restoration of Israel that they desired. They were all familiar with the Old Testament prophecies about the victory that the Son of Man would bring, but they glossed over how it also prophesied that there would be suffering that went hand in hand with that, and they were blind to the possibility of potentially losing their own uh, soul as they were so fixated on things of the world like uh, political power. And um, Mark uh, here, he makes it clear when, uh, when Peter offers uh, in verse 5 to build tabernacles that it's, uh, it's a suggestion that is rooted in fear and spiritual uh, blindness. And this was already a problem throughout the uh, Old Testament. Uh, for example, when Adam and Eve uh, dishonored God by eating of the fruit, all they could think about was fear of missing out of uh, of um, of of what um, of becoming uh, like God when they had been blind to how God had already given them authority over everything and they had an abundance in the Garden of of Eden but uh, they were they quickly forgot about that and how God declared that they were the ones that were created in His image and then throughout the Old Testament there's constant stories of uh, the people of uh, Israel whether it's a uh, Abraham, uh, Moses, uh, Esau, like many of them, uh, uh, they traded something, uh, uh, something, they wanted to live in the moment and traded something more glorious for something that was, uh, uh, that was temporary. And we could go into all of that, but, uh, but to, to sum it up, uh, the big one, one of the biggest ones was the people of Israel when they demanded uh, a king. All they could think about was they wanted to be like all the uh, nations uh, around them and uh, and all, and they were thinking again about uh, political uh, uh, 
salvation and not the salvation uh, of their souls from uh, sins. And uh, when we look at the history of uh, their kings, uh, the great ones, the ones that, uh, that still loved God, uh, even as one as uh, David, he could not save them from their, their sins and he could only bring that political salvation because uh, he could not lead them from fully dishonoring God because he was full of that uh, himself. And, uh, uh, and so we see that Peter's request comes from a history of the people of Israel seeking the glory that came within the moment rather than looking at uh, a full picture. And today, in, uh, yeah, no matter where you go, uh, no matter what culture you are, there's a variety of uh, views about who uh, Jesus is. Some uh, believe that he is one among many gods that are worthy to be worshipped. Some view him as a great moral teacher and want to use his teachings for social transformations while rejecting the fullness of who he is and actually worshipping him. Of course, we also have uh, the people like the ones who I'm around who, are, who think that he was just one of many prophets, but not actually divine. For them, God's suffering and dying is beyond them to grasp because they have a higher view of uh, humanity and a diminished view of God and sin. By not seeing how humanity could not overcome sin and that true justice require, requires a penalty that is paid, that, that person also has to be able to bear that penalty. Otherwise, there can be no mercy either, which is exactly why the kings of Israel, who even the ones who loved God, could only be used by God to bring political salvation, but not the freedom from sin and shame. Their thinking is that somehow we can overcome our bad by our good outweighing our bad. But now, when we uh, look back at this, we have to understand, Jesus, he didn't have to show his disciples what he showed them on this uh, mountain. They were not entitled to him revealing to them the glory that he uh, does here on this mountain, God has given each of us enough evidence of who he is and, and all and does not have to give or show more, but he graciously does so anyway. Up to this point, Jesus had not shown the fullness of his glory, and even here, it is only a glimpse. What that goes back to is that Christ himself removed uh, himself from glory for the sake of taking on each of our sin and shame and being in the presence of our sin and shame. He shows the glory here to give that reassurance to his disciples that the suffering he would endure would not be the end. It goes to show that the cross was not the end goal, but the route to the end goal, which was the fullness of the glory. When we look at the brightness that Jesus emits, it's not a light or brightness from another source. Jesus himself is the source of that light. It is significant that Moses is here on the mountain because there it was on uh, Mount Sinai that God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. It would be a mountain that Moses fellowshiped with God and waited for God to speak. 
Moses had a light that was shined on him, but he himself was not the source of the light as that light was from God. Moses was simply a reflection. Moses needed to wear a veil while speaking to the people of of Israel because even the reflection of God's glory was too much for them to handle. The significance of Elijah being here was that Elijah had also seen God show his glory on a mountain. Moses was buried by God after his death, while Elijah was taken up into glory without uh, experiencing death. The two of them being right next to Christ when Christ is revealing his glory is representative of Jesus fulfilling the law and the prophets, and that was what Moses and Elijah represented. Christ was the culmination as he superseded them and was never going to be superseded himself. The disciples, they knew that Elijah and Moses were about 1,000 to 1,500 years prior to their time, and this was to show them that Jesus' claim of resurrection was actually going to be legitimate. And uh, when we look at this, it's uh, another powerful thing is uh, God could do whatever he wants, but he did not just wait for the world to come to him. Instead, he had a plan to bring the glory of heaven down with him to meet us where we are at. And this is uh, the difference of the gospel from every other pagan uh, worldview. Moses and Elijah are like the moon because the moon does not shine light of its own. It simply reflects the light of the sun. Jesus is the sun because he actually is the source of light himself. We are all given that same opportunity to be like the moon in reflecting God's glory as we do not have the light and glory ourselves. It was an opportunity that we ourselves could not create, but the light needed to be shined for us so that we could walk where it shined. Peter, in his offer to uh, create three tabernacles, was being foolish because he was simply lumping Jesus into the same category as Moses and Elijah. The father immediately responded to Peter's foolish suggestion, and that goes to show The father does not like when the son is categorized as just another mere mortal or prophet. God appeared to them in the cloud, which is the same way that the Israelites in the Old Testament had had seen God's presence with them all along. This would reassure the disciples that despite what Jesus said about death and their suffering, that it was all going to work out for his best plans and their good. It was also so that they should know that Moses and uh, Elijah and any other simply spoke on behalf of God, but Christ spoke as God. At the end, Moses and Elijah disappeared in this text, and they only saw Christ among them. This shows that throughout history, before and after the prophets, COVID or no COVID, that Christ is the only one that always stays and will continue to remain. Everything is always going to point to him. And now uh, we can uh, ask ourselves uh, uh, what we can uh, do to this, um, what we can do with this passage. One thing that Mark shows is that despite 
Peter's constant foolishness, God was still not finished with him and the other disciples, even though they were still, still very blind in a lot of ways. The disciples were later given that opportunity to be like the moon, and each of us has that despite all our foolishness and shame that are given, that same opportunity to be the reflection of uh, God. We can simply have the worldview that others have of Christ, uh, and when we do that, it becomes about finding our own solution to get God apart from him. We are diminishing his holiness along with sin and the justice and mercy that comes from sin's punishment. When we can follow the history of uh, the patterns of Israel by, by operating in fear and spiritual blindness by fixating on temporary glories, this will then cause unnecessary problems for us while in turn sometimes it causes us to lose something of more value that God had for us or it will bring hurdles before we actually obtain those promises that God had for us. We should be able to recognize that the glory that God revealed is greater than any kind of suffering that we face, just like the sufferings of Christ was not the end. We should in turn then be able to take the deity of Christ seriously as the Father urged Peter and the others to listen to his Son over the prophets and anything else. It is when we do that that we can actually be the reflection of him and live out our purpose according to his glory. We can show the glory of Christ to those who have different worldviews of him currently and allow God to work in these people through that. From that, we can be confident that we will be brought to a place of full glory. All we need to do is look at his word and trust that he will do uh, what he will do through what he has already done. Despite Mark having a close relationship with Peter, he still wrote a lot about the shortcomings of Peter to highlight that like Peter, despite all our failures, that Christ still wants us as his disciples. And um, like th there are some uh, similarities that we have uh, to uh, the people in the original audience. Like, like I said, uh, like Peter, we have our uh, blind spot. Uh, but the beauty is, is that, that God still wants us even after uh, all our uh, foolishness and even all, after all the things that we may do wrong in the future. And we are going to encounter people uh, like the early believers did who cannot accept the notion that Christ is God. When our lives take Christ's deity seriously and seek to be the reflection of him while we're on the earth, that is when we're able to move from glory to glory. And uh, Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, he talked about the glory of the new covenant in relation to the old. The sum of what he said was that in the Mosaic covenant, it was obey and live, disobey and be cursed. It was never intended to save, but it exposed the need of a savior. Israelites could not bear the presence of God, but the new covenant was permanent, and so its glory was greater because it actually gave the solution. Paul was a bolder minister of the, the, the covenant than Moses was because he was able to go before God with an unveiled face. 
the messengers of the gospel like what we strive to be will therefore we'll have a greater revelation of God's glory than anyone in the Old Testament. Those who view Christ in his fullness are those who Paul describes as the ones who will be able to reflect his glory and, and keep moving in glory. And the author of Hebrews said that Christ is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. He also talked about Christ going through a greater tabernacle that was not man-made and entered by his own blood, that was, which is why he could inaugurate the new covenant as entering by his own blood. Uh, he was able to effectively deal with sin, which the Mosaic covenant was not. In Peter's second letter, he would reference the transfiguration story as he is differentiating what is true from the kind of myths and false teachings that people like to follow. Despite Peter's shortcoming at that time, he was able to be used later on and it showed how far the Lord had brought him to. It also testified that just like Peter learned that the words of Christ were trustworthy, everyone else should uh, look back at all of Scripture and see it as trustworthy. I'm going to say uh, a story, and then I'm going to close out in prayer. Uh, towards the uh, end of uh, World War uh, II, when the uh, Japanese people were uh, surrendering, uh, uh, the Japanese and all their uh, representatives were there, and uh, they were around uh, the General Douglas uh, MacArthur, who, um, yeah, they were all signing the official documents of, uh, of surrender. And um, uh, so what uh, General MacArthur did with his uh, colleagues by his side, he took uh, his uh, pen and uh, he wrote his first name, Douglas, and then he uh, gave the pen to uh, another uh, general who, si who, who wrote uh, Mac, and then he gave the pen to another uh, uh, general who finished writing uh, Arthur, and so it would say General uh, Douglas MacArthur. And this unusual procedure was his, the General MacArthur's way of honoring the ones who, uh, the generals who had suffered severe persecution as prisoners of war. They had persevered, and now they were actually able to share in the glory of, of uh, victory of that war. But when we look at that, how much more glorious is it to share in Christ's victory? And to do that, we need to understand not just the pain, but the power to come. We need to appreciate not just the hard times, but the victory that is ahead. We need to grasp not just the cross, but the crown to follow. And with that, uh, let me uh, close in prayer. God, uh, we thank you uh, for uh, your uh, word, and um, we thank you that uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, it wasn't uh, the giving of the uh, Ten Commandments all over again. This time, it was the giving of your, uh, uh, your son, and we thank you that you have given us uh, the opportunity to be uh, the reflection uh, of you, uh, the way that the moon reflects the, the sun, and may that be what we uh, strive for. May we always take your uh, deity uh, seriously and uh, be assured that uh, you are coming again based off uh, what you've already done. We actually 
are uh, partakers in the new covenant. So we have something that the people in the old did not have. And let's not take that lightly. And we thank you that through your Holy Spirit uh, who uh, lives in us, you inaugurated the new covenant. And it is a permanent thing. And uh, uh, keep moving us from glory to glory. Uh, We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray.